Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. How can empty be good unless it's the empty tomb? And today, I believe that we're going to look at three stories about empty. And we're going to allow those stories to transform our lives as we celebrate with each other the resurrection. At Audacity, we love to say that every Sunday is Easter because we are always celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and the salvation that is offered in placing our faith in him. But today, we're going to look at a couple of stories. And I don't know where emptiness might be in your life. I don't know if, if your life, if, if it's financial emptiness because of everything that's happened over the last several weeks and right now you just feel like your finances are empty. I, I don't know if it's a relationship in your life. You just feel emptiness. I, I don't know if it's spiritual. Maybe you, this is the first time that you've watched church online and you're like, man, I'm just going to check it out because my friend invited me because spiritually I feel empty. Whatever your situation is, I believe that each one of these stories are going to speak to you as we look at emptiness. If you take notes and and write things down, write this down, empty nets. And the first story we're going to look at is is about a guy named Peter. And I want to read this to you. In chapter 5 of the book of Luke, it says this, starting in verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gisenaret, and he saw two boats by that lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their necks. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out from the land a little, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Put, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came out, their boat they filled the both boats, so they began to sink. But when Peter, Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And they had brought their boats to land, and they left everything and followed him. And empty nets. Peter had been fishing all night and fishermen in the first century didn't have like transparent uh, uh, synthetic nets and so they fished in the night and so it's early in the morning and their trade was was done this way and and Peter had a long unsuccessful night and I I think he was probably ready to go home and and get a nap in he was feeling like a failure and and the last thing that, that Peter needs is to hear some Bible teacher tell him how to fish. And I I love studying the Word of God. I I love to look at stories. And and I believe that's why God says to meditate on His Word. 
right? So, sometimes that we, 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 we take in the Word of God and it's like milk. Like we, it, it goes down easy. We understand it. Other times we study the Word of God and it's like a, a thick steak. And we, we kind of got to chew on it a little bit. And then other times we get to passages in Scripture and, and it's like hard candy. And you just got to let it sit in your mouth, right, as you meditate and feast upon the Word of God. But when I'm doing that, I love to ask the question, like, what if? I don't want to take away from the story, but I like to say, man, what if, what if something different happened in the story? So my, my first question is, what if Peter had all that God needed? Although all Peter could see was empty nets, he had everything that he needed in order for God to pour out a blessing upon his life. Peter has nothing to offer. He's tired. He's got nothing left in the tank, but he does have empty nets. His nets were empty. But, but just maybe, and then as Peter's approaching the story, maybe it was the empty nets that actually were a part of something so much bigger. What if Peter's level of blessing was determined by his obedience? I mean, I would have totally understood it if Peter's like, man, listen, Jesus, it's been a long night. I just got finished cleaning these nets, and now you're asking me to take this goofy step of faith and to fish in the middle of the day when that makes no sense at all. I just don't have it in me, and I don't think any of us would have ever blamed Peter, but Peter could have missed his miracle if he didn't have empty nets. I wonder if Peter ever thought that day about the Sea of Galilee. And I wish I would have pushed out all the boats. I wish I would have pushed out everybody's boats. I wish we all would have went in and and seen what we could have received because all of our nets were empty. I'm just sure that had Peter known this overpouring of the blessing that was all because of emptiness, maybe he would have pushed out even more boats. But what if Peter's lack was actually an, an opportunity for God to do a miracle? Can you imagine Peter saying, Jesus, do, do you not see the, the nets are empties? The, Peter, we, we, Jesus, we don't fish during the day. But I've never done it that way before. Jesus, I fished all night. I can't go any further. I don't want to experience pain and disappointment again. I'm empty. What if for a moment that you, you see yourself as, as Peter in this story? And what if your lack and your emptiness is exactly where God needs you to be? What if you're obedient when it doesn't feel like it's going to work? What if your obedience actually leads to a miracle in your life? And where's the lack in your life? Where are resources so low you can't see anything good coming from it? Could it possibly be that that's right where God wants you to start? And empty nets. Our second story is also about Peter. Peter would follow Jesus for the next three years. He would walk in the dust of the rabbi, staying so close to Jesus, seeing Jesus heal seeing Jesus feed thousands of people with a a little boy's sack lunch, seeing Jesus raise people from the dead. He believed that he was the Messiah. So when Jesus said, follow me, we just read in the text, he left everything and he followed Jesus. He would even commit 
right before this story we go into. I would die for you, Jesus. He believed that Jesus was the King of Kings, the Messiah, the chosen one of Israel, and he devoted three years of his life to him. And then on this night, Jesus is arrested. And in that moment, everything for Peter changed because Peter felt empty promise. See, Peter sold out. He had done everything you could possibly do for Jesus, and now he's smack dab in the middle of an empty promise. And this is what the scripture says in Luke 22. They seized him, being Jesus, and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And then one person comes up to him and says, aren't you with Jesus? And he denies it. And then someone else comes up and says, hey, aren't you the one with Jesus? And he says, no, I am not. And then somebody else comes up to Jesus or comes up to Peter and says, aren't, didn't you been following that Galilean around? He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly promise just hours before these moments Peter's willing to die for Jesus just hours before these moments he's willing to do anything possible for Jesus for Peter this meant a new kingdom was going to come for for Peter it meant new promises new dreams and now he has empty hope he has empty dreams and he has empty promises like what if what if God's plan is better than Peter's dream? Now, Peter doesn't know that the death of Jesus was also going to bring about the resurrection. That the death of Jesus would allow the kingdom of heaven to actually be the gospel to come to the Gentiles. What Peter doesn't know is that the empty promise would lead to a better promise. All Peter knows is that Jesus has been arrested unlawfully. He was illegally arrested. All he knows is that Jesus is now in chains. All he knows is that Jesus is being led to the death by the cross. All Peter has is empty promises. What if Peter's brokenness is, is how God builds his masterpiece? Peter's broken. He's empty. The promise seems gone. He's even denied knowing the one that he loves. He's even went as far as lying about his relationship with someone he followed so closely for years. See, so many times we are defined by our failures instead of our future. Peter doesn't know his future. All he can see now is his failure and he's weeping bitterly because it's an empty promise. It's hard to see in that moment that this was how the church was going to be birthed. It's hard to see in this moment that he was going to go on to encourage the disciples. It's hard to see in this moment that in, what, what, in all of his brokenness that somehow God was creating a masterpiece. 
What if Peter's current circumstance is what was going to be best to be used to glorify God? Peter can't see past this moment. Peter can't see what is coming. Peter only sees in the moment that he has failed. The moment hurts. He sees Jesus looking at him and Jesus is being poured out and Peter has failed Jesus in this circumstance. Peter has fled and now Jesus is going to die and he's empty. All the promises. Friend, I, I don't know what your circumstance is. Audacity Church, I, I know most of your circumstances, but I, I know I don't know them all. But what if your dream that has been crushed actually leads to a better dream? What if in your brokenness and your emptiness right now, God is using it to build His masterpiece? What if you would stop being anchored by your past and you would choose to see your future. What if you chose to see your setbacks in life actually as set up something better? What if your current circumstance is the beginning of God being glorified through you? Peter's emptiness couldn't see the empty tomb. And that's our third story, is the empty tomb when empty is good. Jesus is railroaded through six illegal trials. And then he is condemned to die. The ruler of the known world washes his hands of him and says, I find no fault in him. And Jesus is placed upon a cross. And it was on that cross where he suffered and died. The Lamb of God shed his blood. The Lamb of God willingly gave his life for your sin. And now the disciples are crushed. And Jesus is placed in a borrowed tomb. And in John 20 it says, Now on the third day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. It was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciples, and they ran together towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stopping to look in, saw linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there, and the face clothes which had been to G on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up and placed by itself. Then the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes. And don't miss the empty tomb. Don't miss the subtlety here. The empty tomb was the gift of the resurrection, but the disciples couldn't quite see it. What in your life right now is empty, but you can't see past the emptiness to see the coming miracle. Man, I don't know that anything empty is good, but what if your emptiness is what the world needs? This is what I know. The emptiness of the tomb is what the world needs. What if the emptiness in your life is so that you can be filled with the presence of God, so you can love and serve and go make Christ-like disciples? What if your emptiness is what God needs so he can 
fill you and then bring his kingdom to earth through you. Jesus is dead, but he's been raised from the life. He was buried, but raised. He was dead and now he's alive. The resurrection, that moment changes history. Emptiness changed everything. What, what if the cross and the empty tomb is all you need in your life, no matter how empty you feel? What if your blessing in life, although you feel empty, actually comes from your obedience of loving and serving Jesus? What if your lack and your emptiness right now is actually a gift given to you by God so that he can be glorified? What if God's dream for your life and right now you feel empty and broken and poured out and you just can't go on? Well, what if it's that emptiness that's actually a gift to you from a loving Father, what if your circumstance right now where everything seems empty and nothing makes sense is actually going to be used to glorify God? What if empty is good? And it, the resurrection changes everything. The reason hundreds of millions of people are gathering, whether it's electronically or opening their word across tables in their homes and are sharing the story of the resurrection is because it changes history. In, in closing, if you continue to read the Gospel of John, it, it recounts a story when Jesus appears to the disciples after his resurrection. Peter's empty, so he goes fishing. This does what he knows to do. He starts back where his story began a lot of times. Those moments where we feel empty and just don't know the best thing we could do is something that gives us joy or go and do something we at least know what to do. The story recounts that Peter went fishing with the disciples. They're like, hey, we're, we're going to go to the cross has happened. The, the tomb is empty. Peter has empty nets and empty dreams. They fish all night, and as day breaks, there's someone on the shore who's cooking breakfast. And when Peter heard his voice say, why don't you cast your nets on the other side? Peter realizes it's Jesus, and he jumps in the water, and he swims to see Jesus making breakfast. And these guys are trying to take in a huge number of fish, like 153 fish, and they're just overwhelmed in their boats, and they just see another miracle because a lot of times in life, emptiness is what leads to the miracle. And P Peter's looking at Jesus, and Jesus says, Do you love me? Peter says, You know that I do. And in that moment, as Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? Three times. He's letting Peter know, hey, you're forgiven from that night just a few nights ago. You're forgiven. Now I need you to go and change the world. And then he says this, Peter, I want you to continue to follow me. So I don't know how you feel, and maybe life has dealt you a bad hand. I don't know how you might feel empty right now, but I want you to know that you're good enough for Jesus. He loves you, and all he would say is follow me. Sometimes empty reminds us of our need for faith. Sometimes empty reminds us of our need for vision. Sometimes emptiness reminds us of our need for salvation. Sometimes emptiness reminds us that our lack is actually an opportunity for a miracle. And I'm not sure where you are in life, 
but the empty tomb offers you union with Christ. You now get to be in a right relationship, being born again because of what Jesus has done, because of the empty tomb. Right now in your life, because of the empty tomb, your life will have the greatest meaning and the greatest purpose as you live to, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The empty tomb gives you victory over sin and death so you can live holy lives, intentional and purposeful, growing the kingdom of heaven. The empty tomb gives you hope in a future resurrection. And all I have to say is sometimes empty is good. And if your life spiritually right now, you'd say is empty. And you, you don't have this relationship with Jesus that I'm talking about. It's simple. Let it happen today on Resurrection Sunday. Where you place your hope and your faith in the cross of Jesus. And you say, I believe in the resurrection. There's a lot of other things that are a part of maybe the Christian doctrine, and all of them can be important. But all the Bible says is if you believe in the resurrection, you will be saved. You will be born again. That means you place your faith in the finished work of the cross, and you trust Jesus for your salvation. And you say, Jesus, change me. And right where you're sitting, if you just say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And I believe that you raised from the dead for me so that I could spend eternity with you. Step into my heart. Change me. Help me to live for you the rest of my life. And for the rest of you, maybe you're on empty. <laughs> maybe your current circumstance, you don't see any possibilities of how good can come from your emptiness. Can I just boldly ask you, will you say, Jesus, fill me? Will you say, Jesus, this area of my life right now is empty, but you know what? I'm going to say it's good because I believe you're going to use it to glorify you. I know that takes great faith. But as I've said, there's a lot of times that empty is good. Can we pray? Jesus, we, we love you. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sin. Jesus, we want to worship you with our lives. We want to be fully devoted followers of you. Jesus, help us to love you faithfully. Jesus, help us to serve other people recklessly. Jesus, help us to go and make Christ-like disciples as we worship and glorify you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.